preparing for Christmas, what we are doing is we're just going to be taking a look at some of the, uh, the text, uh, some of the Christmas passages of Scripture to see uh, really what this time of year is all about. And today we're going to be talking about uh, some encounters that people had whenever Jesus was born. Now, I'm sure that there are encounters that all of you have had in your life or are meetings that you've had with people that probably stick out in your mind, some significant encounters in your life. Uh, I know that whenever I was 12 years old, and a major encounter for me is my dad, for my 12th birthday, took me to the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. Now, it was, you know, the president speaks there. There's a lot of politicians there. I was really excited. But the, the, the biggest encounter I had when I went there is I got to meet Billy Graham. And so t today, I still remember that encounter. And that was just like a highlight for me when I was 12 years old. Uh, another significant encounter that I remember having is whenever I met with uh, Emily's father. And I met with him to talk to him about asking for her hand in marriage. And so that's an encounter I remember. I had to talk to him, and I was able to share with him how I was making $100 a week and how that was going to be enough, you know, for me to be able to take care of, of his daughter. And so that's an encounter I will never forget. And so I said, I have $100, and we're going to live on love. And it's worked out well. And uh, so anyway, so there's some encounters that are rather significant. Well, today in our scripture, we're going to see that there is an encounter that is very significant. And not just for the people in the Bible, but for us as well. And it's the encounter that people have with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The encounter that they have with Jesus. And so it's my hope for, for you and for me to be able to, to look at ourselves, to examine ourselves, and to be able to ask the question, have we had an encounter with Jesus? And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see some people that came into contact with Jesus during, during his time of birth. And we're going to look at people in the Bible, we're going to look at Joseph, and we're going to look at the wise men, and we're going to look at King Herod. And we're going to see how all these people had encounters with Jesus, but the question is, not just did they have an encounter with him, but did it change their lives? Did it make a difference in their lives? And so we're going to look in Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18, and we're going to look at some ways that we can know if we've truly met the Christ of Christmas. And so the first thing I want us to see from our text today is the first way that you can know if you've met the king is this. If you've met the king, then what you're going to discover is your sense of purpose in life will come into focus if you've really met the king. Now I want to read to you um, in verse number, we'll start from verse 19 and we'll hop down to verses 24 and 25. It says, so her husband Joseph, and this is speaking of Mary, being a righteous man and not wanting, not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. And if you go down to verse 24, and it says, When Joseph got up from sleeping, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her. So he's looking at divorcing her. Then verse 24 says he decided to marry her, but, but did not know her intimately until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Now, the most, the most significant and spectacular birth to ever take place, of course, is the birth of Jesus. And the way that it happened is, is rather different than any other way that people here experience births. Whenever Mary gave birth to Jesus, she gave birth to Jesus as a virgin. Now, in scientific, in scientific communities today, that is known as impossible. Uh, and, uh, but with God... It's known as a miracle. 
And so it was a very significant birth. Now, when it happened, Joseph and Mary were engaged. So things seemed to be a little bit out of order here. And so Joseph and Mary were engaged. Now, engagement during the day of Jesus, it's, it's very different than when we talk about being engaged. Uh, being engaged in the, in the day of Christ and part of their custom, it was, it was very similar to being married, being married, except for if you were going to break off an engagement, you had to actually go through a divorce process. So I mean, it was very significant to be engaged. Now, you didn't live together. You were not intimate with one another. But the engagement was a very serious process. It was a process that lasted a year. And so it was during this year time that Mary became pregnant. And the Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary were not intimate. Now, now most of us are familiar with this part of the story. We're familiar with Mary, you know, was told that she was going to have a child. It was going to be different because it was a child that was going to be conceived by the Holy Spirit. So this is a different birth. And, and we read about Mary, and, you know, we marvel at Mary. You know, she's this young, young lady who is committed and devoted to God. She's excited about what God has done. And, I mean, you know, this is, in some senses, this is tragic news. It's scary news. And yet the way that Mary responded is unbelievable. I mean, in Luke 138, here's how she responded. She said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And so whenever we talk about Mary, you know, we revere Mary. You know, we, we, we look at Mary and we see her great faith. And we say, man, what, what an incredible woman. And I'm not disagreeing with that. I say, man, that, that, that is, that's an amazing amount of faith. But there is a, there's a man in the story that I think we overlook a lot. And so me being a guy, we need to talk about Joseph. You know, Joseph's impressive in this story. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph. As a matter of fact, he is only mentioned in Scripture 12 times. That's it. So, so what's so significant about Joseph? Well, I, I sit here and I, I look at Joseph, and we are told that Joseph finds out later that Mary's going to have a child. They're engaged, and Joseph knows he's never been intimate with Mary. Now, guys, if, if that happened to you, I guarantee you some of your thought, I can, I can identify with probably what some of you would be thinking. You'd be thinking, she's gone. We're not going to get married. I'm ticked off. I'm angry. What in the world is happening here? Right? I mean, I just think that would be an absolutely natural response for Joseph to have. He had to be thinking, man, no, everybody's going to be on my side if I end up breaking up with Mary because they know that this is not me. But then something happened to Joseph. And we're told in verse number 20 that an angel appeared to Joseph and told him not to be afraid to marry Mary for a specific reason. He said, she has, been, she has a child that has been conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, some people would say, well, if I saw an angel and he told me what to do, then it would make me easier. It would make it easier for me to go, go through the process. And I thought about that. I thought, you know what? I think it would have been easier for Joseph had he never heard from the angel. Because if he wouldn't have heard from the angel, then he could have just gone ahead and left. I mean, you know, he could have just gone ahead and said, hey, we're just going to break off this relationship. Uh, this isn't going to work out. This doesn't look good. And I'm not, I'm, not even a, I'm not even a part of this whole process. But when the angel spoke to him, I, to me, it just seems like that made it more difficult. Because when the angel spoke to him, then Joseph knew, I've got to go through with this marriage. And if he went through with the marriage, man, he, surely he knew how people are. Saying, so, man, people are going to be talking. Yeah, I mean, who's going to believe, no, it's not my child, it was conceived by the Holy Spirit? I mean, nobody's going to believe that. So we think people are going to be gossiping. People are going to be talking bad about Mary. People are going to be talking bad about me. 
And yet he was willing to do it for a simple reason. And here's the reason. When the angel spoke to him, all of a sudden he understood what God's purpose was for his life. And his purpose was to raise God's son. His purpose was to tell God's son, to teach him in the ways of God. And whenever he saw what his purpose in life was, when he met with the king of kings, he rose up and he met the challenge. Now here's my question for you. Do you know what God's purpose is for your life? Because I really believe this. I believe whenever you began to discover God's purpose and you were walking with God, then your life is going to experience fulfillment like you've never known before. Now you might say, well, what's God's purpose for my life? I can tell you one part of God's purpose for your life is very simple. It is that God wants you to encounter and he wants you to know the King of Kings. He wants you to have a relationship with him, to trust and to follow him. I mean, that's why Jesus came in the first place. We're told in John 20, 31, but these were written, or are written, that you may believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, God, God placed you here to discover him. God placed you on this earth so that there would be a day when, like Joseph, you would have an encounter with the Christ of Christmas. You know, it, life, is, life is a lot easier living when you know what your purpose is. When you know that you were living according to the purpose for which you were created. And yeah, I know a lot of people, they're good people, they have good jobs, they have good kids, they make a good living, and, and yet they have an emptiness inside of them. And part of the reason why is because they don't know what the purpose is. You know, they don't know why they're here. Ultimately, they don't, they don't know what they're, they're doing in life. So what's your purpose? Because when you miss your purpose, guys, you miss, you miss out on life. Now, there's a, a story of a, a wealthy man, and his mother's birthday was coming up, and he wanted, he wanted to get her a gift that she would never forget. And so he found this parrot that was going to cost $50,000. Uh, but he could afford it, and the parrot was able to, it had a 40,000-word vocabulary. It was able to sing operas. And so he said, my mom is going to love this gift. So he had, had the parrot shipped to her. And after a few days, he hadn't heard from her. So he called her and said, Mom, did you, did you get the bird from me? And she said, oh, yes, son, I did. She goes, thank you so much. It was delicious. Now, now, that was a lady who missed out on purpose. She didn't know what the purpose of the bird was. Now, now it's never good to miss out on your purpose. I know a lot of people, they, they get suckered into thinking that their purpose in life is to make a lot of money, that their purpose, that their purpose in life is to have a nice home. And, and there's nothing wrong with those, those things in and of themselves. But when they become the number one priority in your life and you seek after them, let me tell you something, when you get them, you're, you're not going to be satisfied. You're, you're going to end up being empty because they don't fill. They don't fill you. That's not, that's not why God made us. I look at Joseph, and I see Joseph discovered his purpose in life, and when he did, he was able to strive after that goal, even though he knew he was going to face ridicule for it, because he understood, God has made me for a reason, to encounter the King of Kings. So, so what's your purpose in life? You see, what, once you know your purpose, you, you know that you have met with the King. You know, once you understand that your purpose is to know Jesus and have a relationship with him, then, then things in life become much more clear. But there's another thing that I want you to see here. Another way that you can know that you've met the king is your sense of significance isn't threatened by the success of others. 
Now look with me over in chapter, let's see, chapter 2, and we'll look in verses 3 and 4. When King Herod heard this about the birth of Jesus, he was deeply disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And so he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Then you go down to verse number 8. And he sent them to Bethlehem, the wise men, and he said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me, so that I too can go and worship him. Now, another man who was to have an encounter with Jesus was King Herod. And King Herod was, uh, he was the, the, really the, the main political leader in Israel during this time, and, and people didn't like him. And they didn't like him because he was basically a puppet of the Roman regime who was occupying Israel at this time. Now Herod, as you read about him, there's some good things about him, there's some really bad things about him. And the people did not like him, they didn't trust him. Uh, one of the good things that he did is he was a great builder. I mean, even today, when you go to Israel today, there are still buildings 2,000 years later that are standing that King Herod was in charge of building. So there's some great things about Herod, but he was a man who was absolutely paranoid and he wanted to do whatever he could in order to hang on to his kingdom. He was always afraid that somebody was going to come along and try to overthrow his kingdom. And so he was a little bit disturbed when the Christmas story comes about. The wise men traveled from we don't know where, but they traveled a long distance. They came to King Herod and they said, hey, we just heard the king of the Jews has been born. Can you tell us where he is? Now, because Herod was paranoid, this was not good news for him. Seeing the king of the Jews had been born, well, what's up with that? But, but he tries to disguise it and, and hide it. And, and so he was threatened by this news. And so what did he do? Well, he said, well, you go find him. And he said, when you find this king of the Jews, come back and tell me so that I too can go and bow down and I can worship him. And he wasn't planning on doing that. He wanted to know where Jesus was so that he could kill him. Why? Because he was afraid Jesus was going to threaten his throne. Now, what he did not know is Jesus did not enter into our world to sit on a throne and wear a crown. Jesus entered into our world in order to rule in the hearts of men. And so, so Herod's kingdom was never actually threatened, but he was so jealous. He was so jealous for power, so jealous to be in charge, that he was willing to kill the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. Matter of fact, as you read on later, Herod sent his soldiers into Bethlehem and they killed hundreds of babies trying to get rid of Jesus. He was so paranoid about hanging on to power that when you read the history of Herod, Herod actually killed his sons and his wives because he thought they were trying to usurp his authority. Now, I'm not saying that any of us are as cruel as Herod. I'm not saying that any of us are as power-hungry as Herod was. But in some ways, we are like Herod in that, that we feel threatened when somebody wants to rule and lead in our lives, even when it's God. Because what we want to do is we want to hang on to our own power. We want to be in charge. And whenever somebody else wants to take charge, when somebody else wants to lead, then it's very easy for us to become jealous of that and to begin to push that, push that person or push, push our God away from us. And, and one thing, and we just have, I know for me, it's, it's just very easy to be, to be critical and to be jealous. You know, it, it's, it's easier for, for, for people to, to weep with those who are weeping than it is to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And jealousy is something that is very destructive. It was destructive in Herod's life. It's destructive all of the time. 
Yeah, they were uh, just an example of this. Were two shopkeepers that that were always in competition with one another. And one one of them would get a, a client to come into a store, and he'd look across the street, and and he would sit there and just sort of sort of gloat that he had a customer. And whenever it happened to the other guy, he would do the exact same thing. And the men were always bickering, they're always fighting with one another. They were always hoping the other one would, would just fall apart, that their business would crash and burn. Well, one day an angel came to one of the shopkeepers. And he told the shopkeeper, he said, y you can ask for anything you want. Anything you want and you can have it. And so the shopkeeper sat there for a minute and he said, well, well like, like what? He said, well, you can, you, can ask to be, you can ask to be wealthy, but here's the catch. If you ask to be wealthy, he said, you'll become wealthy, but the man across the street will become twice as wealthy as you. He said, you can ask for good health. He said, but, but you'll get good health. He said, but the man across the street, he will have twice, his, his health will be twice as good as yours. He said, so what is it that you want? And the man sat there and he thought about it for a moment. And he looked up at him and he said, make me blind in one eye. Like I said, that, that is sort of where we go by nature. That we can be so jealous and so self-centered that we are willing to sacrifice the best just so that somebody else doesn't do better. That's where Herod was. He was willing to kill so that nobody would take what he thought was his. So, so here's my question for you. Have you met the king? Do you know the king? Now, I know many of us, we, we know about him. We, we've heard stories about what he's done. We, we've heard stories about how he desires for us to have a relationship with him. But the truth is, if we're really going to have a, a life-changing encounter with the king, there has to be a time when we say, I will surrender who I am to you. And I will follow you, and I will allow you to be the king of my life. Now, I know that it's easy to find things like that offensive. And I know that there's some of us who think, well, if I, if I surrender, that means I'm weak. If I'm not in charge, and I don't choose how I'm going to live, then that means that, that I'm a person who is weak and needy, and I want to be strong. Because you can never be strong until you submit yourself to the king of kings to the one who made life, the one who knows why you've been created. Now, only an insecure person is one who is not willing to admit that he needs help. And we need the help of the king. You see, it's only Jesus who can give us real security. It's only Jesus who, who gives us a life beyond this life. It's only Jesus who knows how to deal with our sin and offer us forgiveness. It is only Jesus who provides us with that sense of purpose. So if you're wondering, have I really met the king? Have I had a life-changing encounter with the king? Well, this is what you can know. You can know that you've met with the king if your sense of purpose comes into focus. You can know that you've met with the king if, you're, if your significance isn't threatened by others. And here's the last one. Another way you can know if you've met the king is that your sense of generosity will grow when you've met the king. In chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, we see a picture of this. It says, After hearing the king, the wise men went on their way, and there it was, they, the star they'd seen in the east, and it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now there is an interesting tradition that has grown up around the wise men. 
Uh, the tradition is that there are three wise men, and the reason why is because they brought three gifts to Jesus. You know, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Another tradition is that their names were Caspar, uh, Bathazar, and Melchior. So is that, is that stuff true? Well, the only thing that we really know about the wise men is what that text says. We don't know where they're from. You know, we don't know how far they traveled. We don't know how they got there. The only thing we know is that they were called wise men. Now, what were wise men? Well, wise men were advisors to kings. We know that much. And so as, as advisors to the kings, this meant that they were well-versed in astronomy, mathematics, and the sciences. And, so, and also they were known to interpret dreams. So, so the question was, well, then how did they know where Jesus was? Well, the reason why they knew where Jesus was is because there was an unusual star that was shining in the sky. Because we're all familiar with that, right? One of our slides up there when we were singing had a star up there. So there's a, there was a star that was shining. Now, because they were well-versed in astronomy, they noticed this strange-looking star. So why did they make an association that it was an important star? Well, there's some interesting things that go along with this. Uh, one, I shared with you all a couple of weeks ago, that historians outside of the Bible said that during this time, that people were expecting that a world leader was going to come onto the scene. Somebody who would come and make things better in life. In Israel at this time, the people believed that God was getting ready to send a Savior, to send a Messiah who would come and bless the people. So people were looking for a sign that God was going to send a leader. Well, guess what happened? There was a star in the sky. And these men who were well-versed in astronomy saw that sign, and they began to look for this new king. And when they showed up, they came bringing gifts. Now, I could spend a lot of time on what gold, frankincense, and myrrh mean. I'm just going to share with this with you today. They were, they were gifts that were befitting a king. But as we look at the wise men, there are some lessons we can learn from them. Some things that we can apply to our lives, and one of them is this. That is that when you seek the king, you're going to find him. The wise men, they were looking for a king. They were looking for a king, and when they began to look, guess what happened? They found him. Guys, I promise you this. If you will seek after Jesus... If you will seek to know him, you are going to find him. God opened up their eyes to enable them to see the star in the sky and to begin to follow after it. Also this, we learned this from the wise men. They were willing to give the king their time. Now, we don't know exactly where they were from, uh, but we do know this. They were from a long ways away. Because they were wise men, they were probably from Persia, but they had probably over a 500-mile walk. That's a long walk. So they were willing to spend their time, their, and this is extended vacation time. They were willing to spend their time in order to have an encounter with the king. Guys, let me tell you something. If you will be willing to spend your time looking for the king, you will find him, and God will bless it. So how do I spend time looking for the kings? A lot of, you don't have to go on a 500-mile journey. Spend time looking for the king by praying. Spend time looking for the king by reading what his word has to say. Spend time looking for the king as we gather together every Sunday in order to worship. Another lesson we learn from the wise men is this. They brought, they brought the king gifts. When they, found, when they found him, when they had an encounter with him, they, they wanted to give him something. 
You know, the same thing is true for you and me. Whenever we have an encounter with the king, when Jesus touches your life, one thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to share who you are, everything that you have with the king. It's what the wise men did. It's what I see happen every Sunday. Every Sunday when I come here, I see people who are willing to share because they've had an encounter with the king. You know, when you walk in the doors, though, we have some, some, some men and women who stand at the doors and, they, and they, they shake people's hands when they walk in. Now, I don't know about y'all, that's not something that's just natural. I don't ever go to, like, Walmart and stand out in front of the door and shake people's hands when they come in. I know they have greeters there, but they get paid. Y'all, the greeters here don't get paid. Now, I talked to one today who said they should. But when they, they, they come in, why do they greet you? You know why they greet you when you come here? Because they want you to be welcome. Because they know the king. And we have people who serve donuts and coffee here. You know, they get here earlier, just about earlier than anybody else here. Now, now, why do they do stuff like that? It's not so they can get the first hot donuts. The reason why they do it is because they've had an encounter with the king, and they want to share their time, and they want you to have a good experience when you come to find out and hear more about Jesus and to worship him. Whenever I walk across, uh, across to the next building, I see adults who are spending their free time teaching kids. Why do they do that? Well, they, they do it because they want those kids to have an encounter with the king. You see, whenever you encounter the king, you are willing to give. You are willing to share. And I've discovered this, that which we truly love and want, we are willing to give 100% to, to it. And those who have met the king will give their very lives to the Lord. I look at the, the people in our text who had encounters with Jesus, the wise men, it was Herod, and, uh, and who else was it? I forgot. Who else? Y'all don't even know. That ain't good. I'm going to go back in my notes. Anyway, Joseph, yeah. See, Joseph always forgotten about. So anyway, there's three people, three different encounters with the king. Joseph, he met the king. He found out his purpose is to raise up the son of God. The wise men, they were looking for the king. And they found him. What did they do? They ended up giving him what they had, and they bowed onto their knees in worship. And then Herod met the king. But he never encountered him. And he wanted to kill him. And so the question for you and for me is, what kind of an encounter do we want to have with the king? If you want to have an encounter that will change your life, that will bless your life, then my encouragement for you is to look at the wise men and Joseph and see how they encountered the king and how it changed their lives. And then you look at Herod and you look in where, at how he ended up. Herod ended up alone and he died a horrific death because he missed out on his chance to encounter the king. So we celebrate Christmas, y'all. It is a blessing because God loves people so much that he sent his son into the world that we might know him and that he might transform our lives.